Welcome back, everybody, to the New Sports Order podcast. Had a week off, not necessarily by choice, as uh, my apologies. We uh, got the flu bug in the Corbett household, and I had about no voice for a good three and a half days. Just not. You know, it's the one thing in this this endeavor in this business that, like, if you straight up can't talk, like, you've got nothing. There's no way to simulate that. You know, they say this is easy. And then you lose your voice entirely. You can't do anything. There's nothing to do. No, there was no, there's no tea, no honey that was going to save the day. And I'm a big proponent. I know I did it a few times back when we were grinding in college, four or five games a week where I would hit the tea and the honey hard just to get through, as well as a nice trip to the steam room at Hudson University. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of sweating it out, but uh, none of those were at the helm. And you can hear, I still got a little rasp, but at least the sore throat is gone. And You know, you, you sound all right. Thinking back to that, not to go too far down the, the collegiate rabbit hole, but thinking about this, like I don't think I I drank tea until like my thirties. I didn't drink coffee until my first real job. So after I graduated college, I've never been a big water guy. I I don't know what I was doing. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, Tom, because we almost never did one game in a day. If we went out for a game, no, almost no matter the sport. Unless it, you know, I mean, football, I guess, and sometimes when we did the rogue high school hockey game. But if we did basketball or baseball, we were doing like a seven-hour broadcast because it was always a doubleheader. No, I mean, we had nothing to send it to in between, so we were just on for seven hours. And I, I don't remember maybe a rogue bottle of water here and there. Yeah, I don't remember doing anything for for our voices or or anything. A hard candy from Larry Mahoney. That was about it. Oh, to be young again. But yeah, I think it was all, it all culminated, I think, with the baseball conference championships, and I believe Thomas, where we did uh, like five baseball games in two days. Yeah, it was at St. Joe's. Every year we had to go down to Standish to, to St. Joe's, and yeah, it would just be Husson would win on Friday. They would lose a barn burner, usually an extra innings to St. Joe's to go into the loser's bracket and then have to like dig their way out. So it was usually like two to three games on Saturday. And then we'd be back for the championship Sunday. Yeah, it was you know, just an insane schedule, but a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Feel like real big shots when you're, we were whatever, 21 then at the time, 2021. 20, and you know, the school's putting you up in a hotel. The roadway in, I still remember, anytime I go past that area of Portland, I look at it and go, oh my goodness. Yep. <laughs> Technically, it's a, big, it's, a big, it's a big deal when Mark Nason pays for your Quiznos. True. That was one of those where we paid ahead and had to bring the receipt back. <laughs> and we technically weren't old enough, I believe, to rent a hotel room. And we, we could do a hotel. We couldn't do a rental car because rental car had to be twenty five. So we I had thought to, the hotel we, you had to be twenty four or, or I don't know or twenty one. And I wasn't twenty one yet the first year, maybe. And we were like, 
swear leather jackets. Makes yeah. us look adult. Remember the other thing was we tried to, one, we got Quiznos because a Quiznos sub at that point was like $14, which is why you never see a Quiznos anywhere because it was $14 like 15 years ago. And that was like our big splurge that the university was paying for it. So we were going to get Quiznos because we weren't spending that. Like a $5 foot long was like, okay, it's like once a week, maybe we're yeah. getting a $14, $15 sub. We could pay 15 combined and get the Chinese buffet at OJ's. Yeah. If there had been an OJ's in, in Portland or if we knew of anything besides like the chain restaurant we passed, like, like no, we, we did Quiznos and we thought we were big shots because it's on, it's on the university's done. Anyway, hope you all had a good holiday. Minus the, the sickness all week. It was good for us. Uh, and we figured we didn't have an episode last week. Been a while since a lot of the games took place. Because there were games Friday, Saturday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday. I mean, yeah. There's games every day. Um, even with the bowl games, it, it still seems weird because I don't know where we are uh, in the week's. And we also have 18 weeks now, so only two weeks left to the regular season. And, yeah, for a few days there, I wasn't sure what day was what because you couldn't judge it off of football games. But there was just games most of the time when I turned the TV on. And so I thought, oh, we'll just kind of – we'll use this episode as a kind of a, a breather, a fresh take. Let's look at what we got going into the last couple of weeks, which we're going to do. But also, man – then all of a sudden, in the last 24 hours, we're getting a lot of shakeups. And at the quarterback position, and I would say probably two that I don't think people necessarily saw coming. We're going to talk about the Raiders in a minute. But first, and I must say surprised, the Commanders going back to Carson Wentz. Heineke, enjoy the ride. Got him right there on the cusp of the playoffs. I think they're currently still in the seventh spot as it sits right now. I must say, I was surprised that they're going back to Carson Wentz. And yes, they were whatever, two and one with Carson Wentz, three and one, but it was pretty unspectacular. <laughs> Everyone was clamoring to get rid of Carson before he hurt his, broke his finger, I believe. Heineke was the golden boy for a few weeks. Apparently that is worn off. So this just comes down to like everything else. It comes down to money, right? Like they're paying Carson once a lot of money. And Taylor Heineke, when he was winning football games, and putting them in the position that they're in to play for, for – I mean, to have meaningful football games in December, which is something regardless of the name of the Washington organization, uh, they haven't done a lot of in, in recent years. So Heineke puts him in that situation, but now he starts turning the ball over a little bit too much, doing the things essentially that Carson Wentz was doing for Washington. And they look at it as a business decision and say, look, we're spending a lot of money on Carson Wentz. Do we need to know? And I think we're seeing that more and more of teams assessing their quarterback situation 
as a business decision and saying, we have to know what we have. We have to know what we have in either the young kid we've invested draft capital in or that we've invested real capital in because we've seen more and more veteran quarterback switching teams. Carson Wentz, it's pretty much every season at this point. But Washington has to look at this and go, look, if we're going to make a decision on Wentz after the season, which, I mean, his contract, I believe, is up at the end of the year, they got to know what they're going to do. And if he gives you an equal opportunity that Taylor Heineke gives you, that's got to be their thinking. No stone left unturned. But this doesn't seem like a situation, though Ron Rivera's been laying the groundwork for two to three weeks that this move could be coming. Uh, That being said, if one falters, really at all, there's nothing saying you can't go right back to Taylor Heineke. And in fact, I think they will. Yeah, more than likely. And I mean, and like I said, it comes down to they tied with the Giants, who's the main competitor they have to get that safe middle wild card spot. They come back the next week and score less points against the Giants and lose. And then they get blown out by the 49ers last week. I probably, if that 49ers game is closer, if they put up a few more points than they have, not that anyone has really put up an enormous amount of points all year for Washington. I think, let me look. 28 opening day when they beat the Jags. 27, 8, 10, 17, 12, 23, 17, 32 against the Eagles in the win. 23, 19, 20, 20, 20. It's kind of who they are. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of who they are. I, I saw a stat during the Patriots game the other day that you know, showed their record when they've given up more than 20 points in a game, and I think they're like 1-7. in seven. There's certain teams that are, are made to get into shootouts or win shootouts, and there's those that they need to play a game in the teens or low 20s to, to have success. I think that's just kind of where Washington is. Um, it's strange to me. I mean, just looking at it, look at the NFC. Like, what kind of odds would you have gotten before the season if you said, look, Washington and the Giants are going to make the playoffs? All four teams could be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd probably all, be cashing all four, all four a teams nice in ticket. that division. Where going into the year, you could poke holes in every team in that division. Every one of them. You could say, well, you know, you know, Dak doesn't come back. You could have said, well, you know, what, uh, Philadelphia, yeah, they, they look all right on paper, but who knows if, if Jalen Hurts. I mean, remember the questions about Jalen Hurts before the season. You know, there was talk, wow, you know, do they bench him? Do they go to Minshew if he's not good in the first month? Is he their guy? Is there the test? Is it week one? It, the guy's probably the MVP of the National Football League this year. And the question going into the season was, should he even be the starter for the Philadelphia Eagles? And I think we saw, to talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys game, look at that team without him. Now, Gardner Minshew put in a vintage Gardner Minshew performance. (laughs) They were right in it, and he turned the ball over just about every possible way he could have. But it just kind of showed you what that team looks like without Jalen Hurts and his ability to run the football. Yeah. 
They didn't have much else. You know, Miles Sanders looked okay. You know, you can I also. Took, I, I think he took the biggest hit from it, not having the running quarterback. It, it's kind yeah. of like a couple of years ago when you took Lamar out of the situation in Baltimore. Mark Ingram suddenly looked like what Mark Ingram, you know, has been the the past couple of seasons when he hasn't played for the Ravens. And that one without the other isn't the same. And last year, I mean, Miles Sanders was an also ran. I mean, he he really was a non factor in the NFL. And this year, he was one of the best running backs in the league. So what changed? And it seemed like it was the you know, maturation of, of Jalen Hurts. And I think it showed, one, I think it showed why a lot of teams were interested to get Gardner Minshew to be their backup quarterback. I mean, came in through 40 times, 355 yards, a couple touchdowns. Said did have a couple picks, rushed for a touchdown. Lost a, a fumble, fumble. Yeah. couple fumbles. You know, I mean, he he is the guy that uh, you know he's going to have a balanced scorecard at the end of the day. He's your buddy who is going to have like four birdies, no pars, uh, a double bogey, couple of triples, a quad, probably an X somewhere along the way, and may or may not have broken a wedge. Like that. That's Gardner Minshew. And I texted you this after the game. I said, okay, Philly beat Dallas without Dak. Dak beat Philly without Hurts. Does anybody know anything? Probably not. I think neither. I don't think it's this big, ooh, Dallas getting a little momentum in case they meet him in the playoffs. No, it's completely different. That'd be like saying you put up, you know, 35 points against Dallas and... They didn't have Micah Parsons. It's it's yeah. different, though completely possible because the back end of the Dallas defense is in shambles, but maybe a bad example. But my you know point is, I don't think we learned anything. I think it, it was a game Dallas needed to win because I think it would have done more negative to the Dallas psyche, losing to Philly without Hurts. Then it did positive for beating them without him. Sure, uh, I'm I'm going to follow that logic, and I think there's something. To, you know what it tells me? What it tells me is that these teams are going to play in the playoffs. That's what we're getting. Like there needs to be a third fight. Like you said, the the Eagles beat the Cowboys without Dak. The Cowboys beat the Eagles without Hurts. So, so it has to, to be Minshew. So it has to be Minshew versus Rush to Minshew get to the Super Bowl. Rush. Your backup versus their backup in the in the backup battle. But which wouldn't that happen? Like it, especially in this season, it, it's been such a weird season in terms of we've seen so many backup quarterbacks play such prominent roles for these teams, and you know guys enter concussion protocol. We'll talk about the Tua situation later, but we've seen guys go down. Wouldn't that just be that we finally get Eagles-Cowboys, which people thought the Christmas Eve game was going to be the game of the year, maybe the game of the century, the highest-viewed regular season game you know, in eons, and then you end up with a backup quarterback. It was still fun, but not the same. And then you get that matchup. You get the third fight in the postseason. We'll say it happens in the second round. And it's Cooper Rush and it's Gardner Minshew for a shot at the NFC Championship game. Yeah. 
winner plays the nine. That would be like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers got knocked out of the playoff, you know, got, got hurt in the first round of the playoffs, but the Packers won. And we got Packers, 49ers again. Brock Purdy, Jordan Love. That's what, that's what the NFC deserves right now. It's just a lot of backup quarterbacks. That'd be an interesting question if they just went to center field at the beginning of the game, almost like lunch yard, lunchtime football, and they're like, hey, you guys want to go back up QBs? Which coach says no? Well, let's see. I mean, the, the I Niners feel like are doing it's... it with Mr. Irrelevant right now and looking damn good. So I think uh, if they get to use Brock Purdy as a backup, uh, I think they're winning the Super Bowl. I think the Eagles say no first. Well, I mean, as opposed to, like we just said, Jalen Hurts is probably the MVP. So, yeah. I mean, just in the NFC, we're talking all of the NFL. Yeah. Because Kansas Either. City shutting that down quick. Well, yeah. Specifically, uh, so, I was so, saying so like Buffalo. more so like Cowboys Eagles. If the two teams went to center f- right fifty yard line, two coaches came together like, "Hey, back up QBs today." Well, I, I would say if you're asking Jerry, uh, he thinks Cooper Rush could be uh, Roger Staubach, so I, I think he'd be uh, he'd be okay with with Coop taking over, but. Eh, you know, we may be speaking this into existence. The other shakeup, just a little while ago, the Las Vegas Raiders have decided to go a different direction than Derek Carr, who currently leads the NFL in interceptions. Carr's going to sit. And not only is he going to sit, has agreed to leave the team as to not be a distraction, all but completely putting an end to what he's been the starter there since 2014, I want to say. And the former Patriots quarterback, Jared Stidham, getting the start this weekend for his former offensive coordinator in New England. I don't know what the sentiment is around Derek Carr. I've never been very high on Derek Carr. I always felt like he was closer to losing his job than winning the MVP, which it seemed like every year there was some buzz about, you know, Derek Carr's numbers were pretty good last year. If he puts it all together this year, he could be an MVP caliber player. And I, I've never bought the hype on him. And this year, I think, had to be the litmus test, even though it really wasn't billed as such. You know, 2022 was... You know, two was litmus test. It was Jalen Hurts' litmus test. Could these guys be starters? This was going to be the year we we found out for sure. It really wasn't billed as such for Derek Carr. It probably should have been. Darren Waller, Hunter Hen- uh, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, who they didn't pick up the option on, and Devontae Adams. And he now gets an offensive guru as his head coach. I mean, that's the Lamborghini right there. Now, did they tell him not to crash it? Did he know that he was under this microscope? I, I have to say, I think I was a little surprised when I saw this today. A friend sent me the the Schefter tweet and said, Derek Carr's benched. It seems like the thing to do in 2022. You know, the Colts have done this more than anybody. We're benching Matt Ryan. They've benched Matt Ryan so many times I've lost count. They haven't named more quarterbacks. I can't keep up with it. And now with two weeks left, 
the Raiders are benching Derek Carr. It, it just sort of feels out of nowhere. They, they beat the Patriots two weeks ago. And now, granted, he didn't look good. That, that offense did absolutely nothing in the second half of that game. They won it on a gift. But it feels sort of out of nowhere for a team that, yeah, they had high expectations. They didn't live up to them. And now I guess Mark Davis wants some blood. He's got to get somewhere because we've talked about it before. It ain't going to be Josh McDaniels because he's not going to pay off two coaches to go away. They're still paying off Gruden. Pay off McDaniels. Carr's contract, I mean, he he's signed through 2027. Now, the team can get out after 2023. There's like six million in dead cap. He's owed $25 million for next year. Now, if he plays, it's like 32, and then it goes up from there to like 37 and 41 the next three years. So he signed through three more seasons in, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, what do you have, nine picks in the last five games? Whatever it was. Two weeks ago, 137 yards, two picks, no touchdowns against the Rams. Last week against the Steelers, 174, a touchdown, and three picks. A team that was... Weather. Yeah, but all but ending any chance, really, for the postseason. They had got the, the win against the Patriots, but you lay an egg against the Steelers. Well, and we talk about the sample. We we talk about the sample size of just making a decision on a quarterback. I mean, he just got Waller and Renfro back. They've missed almost the entire season. So yeah, he's got Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs has had an incredible year. I don't know. It, it feels out of nowhere, and even more strangely, the secondary party to this, Jarrett Stidham. I mean, I watched him here in New England, and, and he didn't play a whole lot. He essentially played in preseason games that Brady didn't want to play in. Then when Brady left, he was the third stringer behind Brian Hoyer and Cam Newton. When he came in, so here, here's all you kind of really need to know about Jarrett Stidham, who you know, he came out of Auburn. He was highly recruited out of high school. He ends up at Auburn. The buzz was always that like there was a, a quarterback in there somewhere. And when you watch Jarrett Stidham, Man, does he look like a quarterback. I mean, his mechanics are good. When he throws the ball, you look, you go, man, he kind of reminds me of like Carson Palmer, kind of a bigger quarterback, cannon for an arm. Um, But once he kind of follows through, it's like what the ball does. Because he will fire it in there and you go, oh, this is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's picked off or the ball just skips away. It's nowhere near receiver. He's not that accurate of a passer. He looks like a quarterback. He moves like a quarterback. He can run a little bit. He's athletic. Good build. Maybe they want to take a look and see what they have, but if anyone knew what they had, it would be Josh McDaniels, who's been around him a lot. So, you know, and Stone's been in the league like four or five years at this point. So this isn't like he's a, a rookie. He's a second year Um I don't know. I, I'm kind of scratching my head. This, in my mind, it feels like more like a, just a straight up demotion of the Raiders kind of washing their hands of Derek Carr than it does. We want to give Jarrett Stidham an opportunity. And I'm even more perplexed by the he's going to stay away from the team. Doesn't want to be a distraction. Doesn't that kind of lend to you, Tom, that something's happened previously? 
you know, if he doesn't want to be a distraction, I think that's then, the nice a nice way of saying that he is not happy with what has just transpired. He's going to cause a scene. <laughs> no, I think then they agreed. Okay, he's pissed off. Doesn't want to be here because he's not playing. And they agreed. They'd say for both parties' sake, they'd just say, "Oh, got together, decided is amicable." We don't want any distractions. He's going to stay away. When really he, they probably told him, we're going to bench you. He told him to F off and like, well, okay, why don't you stay home? And we'll say, we don't want any distractions. You don't need to come to the kid's birthday party. We'll make up a story. You stay home. We don't need to cause a scene at a four-year-old's, you know, clown party. Yeah. You know. The spin. Yeah, and I don't, put the spin on it. Sure. So he's going to be the Colts quarterback next year, right? And by him, I mean Derek Carr. If history has told us anything. If history has told us anything. This is almost too predictable. I mean, it's it's too, it's too almost too spot on. Like, it, it's too obvious it can't happen, right? Like, the Colts have to go down a different alleyway to find their quarterback than just go, ooh, Derek Carr. But you know what? With that organization, they've learned nothing. I mean, they lost Andrew Luck because they couldn't put an offensive line in front of him. You know, you draft Quentin Nelson, you get a couple other pieces, and now that offensive line is completely deteriorated. Quentin Nelson has has dropped off precipitously and shockingly. And now they they got poor Matt Ryan and Nick Foles and Sam Ellinger and whoever else they march out there is getting annihilated. And it just feels like they're just going to repeat history. Go get Derek Carr and, and make him more cannon fodder back there. Yeah. Someone's got to have the fortitude in Indy to be like, okay, we're hitting the full reset button. The question is, someone someone posed this on Twitter today, and uh, I'll, I'll steal the notion. What does the competition look like amongst Tom Brady and Jimmy G as they, they race to call Josh McDaniels to make the leap over to the Raiders. I was, uh, what was I watching? I think it was like early access, the New England sports show there, because I yeah. happened to turn it on from the Celtics game last night. And yes, the big thing was Brady Raiders, but then the counter to that was it should, shouldn't it be? Brady, San Francisco. Return to the Bay. Pretty, a much more balanced team to go to. If you're Brady trying to play one more year and get a ring, I think you're a lot closer with San Francisco and that defense and that. It's a lot similar to Tampa Bay a couple years ago as opposed to the Raiders, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Yes, a couple big weapons, but. I mean, the Niners, yeah, uh, between the two is a lot better situation. Plus, I think being in the NFC is a lot clearer road to a Super Bowl than the AFC, where you don't have to go through Mahomes and Allen. uh, But would the Niners want to invest? I mean, would they want to invest in Tom Brady, where you still have Trey Lance, who you've invested in? But you also have Brock Purdy, who you've invested nothing in, 
and are getting tremendous results right now. At what point do you look at it with Brock Purdy and how far does he have to take them where you go, yeah, we're not looking for a quarterback. Brock Purdy's our guy. I think he takes him to the the NFC Championship game. I mean, to me right now, this feels like a team that, gun to my head, who's making NFC Championship, I'm taking the 49ers above everyone. And if if you say who's going to the Super Bowl from the NFC, I'll take the 49ers all day. I think we'll know in the next month about Brock Purdy. I mean, not to say everything depends on, you know, what happens in the playoffs. I mean, Jalen Hurts absolutely laid a duck last year in the playoffs, came back with a lot of questions, and like you said, MVP candidate. Uh, Look at Arizona. Kyler laid an absolute egg, and this year didn't really get much better. And now he's going to be out probably most of next season. So not everything is, you can't predict everything based off one playoff outing, but I would assume if, even if he has a good couple weeks to close out the season, if they go out in round one, they're probably going to look for someone else, would be my guess. Well, I think a lot of it depends on the health of Trey Lance. I mean, if Trey Lance is in the conversation and you have the opportunity to have, uh, even if you want to say it's a competition with Purdy and Lance, I mean, that's a pretty good situation to be in. You have a highly drafted quarterback and you have Mr. Irrelevant competing for the job. In either way, you have a quarterback on their rookie deal with the window wide open, Kyle Shanahan, that defense, probably the defensive player of the year in Nick Bosa, and you have opportunity to win Super Bowls or go to multiple Super Bowls. I don't see where Tom Brady fits into San Francisco. Jimmy G? Jimmy G, if I were him, has already been texting Josh McDaniels. Tom Brady should be texting Josh McDaniels to try to get to the Raiders because it's a team with a lot of offensive weapons. Brand new stadium. Vegas has got to be somewhat of a destination for both guys. But that's a pretty nice spot to land in. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Who knows? And don't forget, there's still a ginormous contract waiting Tom Brady with Fox Sports. I, you know, as someone who's, I don't know if I've watched every game he's played, but I've watched some multiple times. So I've watched a lot of Tom Brady. It doesn't look good right now. It, yeah, and that's you the know, other thing. Everyone's like, oh, Brady to the Raiders, Brady to the Niners. Like, are we sure he's still good enough to be the guy that everyone's trying to go for? I think at this point, I, I think there's a team that will want to bring him in. And I think the Raiders make a ton of sense because, I mean, <laughs> look, McDaniels is starting Jarrett Stidham. He's brought in seven Patriots this year. In his first year as head coach of the Raiders, he is certainly bringing in guys that he knows. Week one, he started Brandon Bolden, a career special teamer at running back over Josh Jacobs. Now think back to the way the rest of the season has gone. Josh Jacobs has been one of the best running backs in football. Brandon Bolden is still playing special teams. He will go back to what he knows. So I think there will be a market for Tom Brady. 
I think the question becomes, will Tom Brady continue on? I mean, the quote we've heard for a million years is Brady saying, when I suck, I'll quit. I'm not saying he sucks. He missed some throws against the Cardinals. That was the first, not not the first. It was the highest volume of that one's on him. There's a lot of checkdowns in that offense. I mean, Leonard Fournette is not a pass-catching running back, and it seems like every play, he's the safety valve, and Brady's just hitting the safety valve. Mike Evans is still on that team. And, and, and the dichotomy between Trace McSorley and Tom Brady in that game was fascinating. As someone who's going against DeAndre Hopkins in, in the fantasy playoffs and trying to complete the wildest fantasy comeback of all time, which I did, championship this week, no no big deal. Um McSorley couldn't get the ball to the outside to DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins was getting open. McSorley couldn't throw over to the sidelines. He couldn't get the ball there. And I'm watching this game through the lens of fantasy football, which is the dumbest lens to view football through. And it was like Mike Evans wasn't on the field. It's like he wasn't out there. It's like Chris Godwin was good for like one-third down per quarter. But other guy, otherwise, those guys weren't there. It was just – it was screens, it was dump-offs, it was sacks, and it was incompletions. That's what the whole game was. And I think the Cardinals' front is underrated. J.J. Watt turned the clock back and had an outstanding game. Unbelievable. Now we know it was his last home game, first game ever in front of his, his two-month-old son. But it didn't look good. And can it be turned around? Yeah. I mean, the, the pieces are there. That's what doesn't compute, is that the pieces are right there. That offense still looks whole. The offensive line is in shambles. And they lost another part against the Cardinals. So yeah. it looks like it should still run. It, it, it's like looking at a, a 2022 Dodge Challenger that just doesn't have an engine in it right now. Yeah, it looks like a great car. It looks fast as hell. It looks like it's moving when it's sitting still. But, God, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah. And I don't know if they're fortunate or unfortunate that the division is so bad. You know, is it better to to quietly go off into the sunset or still somehow make the playoffs and maybe get your butt whooped in round number one? But they're fortunate that the Falcons have absolutely gone in the tank and somehow the Panthers and the Saints are one game behind still. It's all all just mind-boggling when you actually think about, wait a minute, the Panthers are still in it? Yeah, yeah, the Panthers are still in it. But the Saints are, yeah. The Saints and Andy Dalton are still right there in the mix. Sam Darnold, Andy Dalton, and Mariota got benched. What does it say about this year's quarterback crop, too, that Malik Willis comes in for the Titans? This is they fall off a cliff, but they're not winning football games. The Falcons, who are kind of the, the feel-good story, make the, not say left field, but, you know, Mariota was starting to get kind of beat up. And they go, we're going to Desmond Ritter. They make the declaration. We're going to see what we have with Desmond Ritter. And in a division that was in, a, like you said, a, a complete free-for-all. 
free for the taking. Whoever wanted it, it was out by the curb with a sign on it. And the Falcons were like, "Yeah, we'll try. We'll try to win with Desmond Ritter." Ask the Tennessee Titans how that's going right now with Malik Willis, because suddenly they're in a bye week going into a winner take all with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, Hit I the fifteen second backup button and listen to that sentence again. A couple weeks ago, last time we were on this show, I said, "Hey." I think the Jags are going to come back and win the division, just as an outside-the-box prediction, not thinking that they were going to beat the Cowboys that week, which, thankfully, we had no episode last week. Didn't have to talk about that. Uh, (laughs) Makes two of us. But they did. They win again. Tennessee keeps dropping. And now dead even, 7-8 and both teams, Jacksonville, for the first time since Blake Bortles. Looks like they've got their stuff together and could be playoff bound. And Lawrence is starting to look like that generational talent that everyone thought that he was. Here's a scenario. I was going to talk about this. Mostly, again, through the lens of fantasy football. uh, Because so tomorrow night the Cowboys play the Titans. On Thursday night, who do the Jaguars have? Uh, Jaguars have the Texans. So the Jaguars are going to win. They're going to get to 8-8, eight eight, most likely. I mean, the, the Texans won last week. They almost won two weeks ago. They're feisty. They're, kind of, they're, they're a little frisky. I don't think frisky enough to screw up the number one pick, but uh, they're getting really close. I mean, the Bears, Bears are 3-12. and 12. Yeah. The, the Texans are 2-12-1, so they can't win another game. <laughs> they don't want to be too frisky against Jacksonville. Um, but how bizarre is it because of the tiebreakers? So they have the same record. So the Jaguars could go a game ahead of the Titans. If the Titans lose to the Cowboys, which they probably will, word is Derrick Henry probably not going to play. His list is doubtful today. So the Titans are going to rest their starters because they know it's coming down to a winner-take-all in Week 18 against the Jaguars. So a team like the Titans, who have been in this slow free fall, where looking back, okay, their last, all right, you got to go back quite a way. <laughs> their last win was Thursday night at Lambeau. That was the 17th of November. Since then, they lost to the Bengals, the Eagles. No shame in either one of those. They lost to the Jaguars. They lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Texans. And now they have the Cowboys finish up with the Jaguars. But they have the tie break, so it comes down to a winner-take-all in Week 18. They're, this is a team that's how – many, how many games did I just list? That's what? Five straight losses, and they can rest their starters before Week 18. I yeah. guess. <laughs> like, like, what are we doing? No shame in the game, man. You work with what you've got. And they're not even the worst Southern division in the NFL because as we just ran down, the NFC South is going to win the division probably two games under 500. Titans, Jags, Bucks. Which team do you want heading into the playoffs? Jags. If you put the Jags in the NFC, are they the fourth best team? Yeah, I don't know about that, but. But Eagles, Vikings, Cowboys. Okay, but, okay fifth. Because I was, I was, as everyone else is, forgetting about the Vikings. Yeah. They're right after it. 
I'm putting them ahead of the Giants and, and Commanders. Commanders. <laughs> Dumb name. I've gotten good with it, though. I almost never say the R word. Yeah. And I almost actually kind of got used to the Washington football team. I got really used to it. It was good. It was a little bit different. I, sometimes a little too soccer for my liking, but it was it, it was kind of cool being the team that it's kind of like how the Steelers helmets are cool because they only have a logo on one side or the Browns helmets are cool because they have no logo on them period. You know, like being devoid of something makes them unique. Washington not having a name. They also don't really deserve a name. I'm hoping that when they sell and they get out of the god-awful Dan Snyder era, they just fully rebrand again. New colors, new names, just a full scrubbing. Like when you get back from one of those awful foam parties in college, you're like, I just need to go in the shower for an hour. I hope I don't have pink eye. Um, I I don't know what they do with that. So the history of the the former uh, name of the Washington team, the Redskins, came from the Boston Redskins at the dawning of the NFL. And they were moved by their owner, George Preston Marshall, to Washington, D.C. So they're really, like most teams, you can go back and go, oh, they were once called the, you know, Decatur Staley's or the, you know, uh, the Dayton Triangles or the Pottsville Maroons. Like you can go and, and take one of those names. That's all Washington's ever had. The, yeah. They've either been the commanders, the football team, or the Redskins. That that's it. That's their that's their whole existence. So I mean, do they do they cross sport lines and become the Washington Bullets? They bring that back? Has enough time passed? I think generals made the most sense. I feel like you could do some cool camo esque. I feel like they're trying to do stuff. that with the commanders. Like some of their uniform, which by the way, they have too many uniforms. Every time I watch them, I think that they're wearing a different getup. They have a couple that have like some stars involved, like around the names. That yeah, they're they're trying to make it look a, a little militaristic. Uh, uh, as we get closer to uh, wrapping up here, I have to ask. As for whatever reason, it became a hot story today, and I think that just shows the lack of news. Well, I guess not, because we had a couple quarterbacks changing today. But uh, everyone had their eyes on Bill O'Brien today, as he kind of acknowledged the Patriot rumors. You got some people saying it's a done deal. He's headed back to the Patriots. He said he hasn't talked to anybody focused on Alabama, you know, said what he's supposed to say. Was there a question in there? What are your, what are your thoughts on the return of another Patriot coach? What do we typically say on this, the show time when we talk about hiring coaches or quarterbacks or really anyone in charge what what are we looking for what is our baseline on this program uh they were already a patriot we're looking for an adult in the room 
that's what Bill O'Brien would be. When I heard this and I saw the story and the rumors been out there all season, the rumors been out there since middle of last summer where the thought was, would they bring back Bill O'Brien, who's former Patriot offensive coordinator, um, you know, in between well, pretty much while Josh McDaniels uh, was on his, his two year sojourn uh, as Denver Broncos head coach, he was brought in, um, you know, Patriots had a good offense during that run. He left to take the job at Penn State and then obviously to the Houston Texans. The situation is this. You know, he had a two-year deal in Alabama under Nick Saban. He was head coach there last year. Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy. He had year two coming up. And, and the one thing that, you know, coaches, I mean, Brian Dable won a Super Bowl. The Patriots turned around, was OC for Alabama, won a national championship. So within a calendar year, he won two championships. Coaches have gone back and forth between Tuscaloosa and Foxborough, but they've never really taken coaches. You know, there's never been the, like, oh, is the OC at Alabama, but, you know, he can get an NFL job. So I think, and I, I looked it up. Bruce Allen, uh, who I really wasn't familiar with, but I looked at, uh, I saw a thread he had on on Twitter. Uh, he does bostonsportsmedia.com. He really laid out a pretty plausible theory as to like why the Patricia thing has happened and how he thinks the the way out of it is. And it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of it was it was better articulated than I've thought it out. But the gist of it being. Bill O'Brien didn't want to leave Alabama after one year, wanted to return for his, his second year, didn't want to leave Nick Saban high and dry. I think Bill Belichick would probably sort of agree to that. So the whole Joe Judge, Matt Patricia thing is a stopgap for a year. You know, they don't promote uh, Nick Cayley, uh to be a first-time OC because the idea was to go to Bill O'Brien in 2023. When I saw the, this, you know, quote-unquote story, it wasn't a story. It was just Ian Rappaport was reporting and I think Albert Breer before him were reporting that Bill O'Brien would have interest in returning back to the NFL and namely with the Patriots. I felt better because it really, it, it gives a reason behind all the lunacy that has been the 2022 Patriots. And this has been a weird see. A friend checked in on me after the Patriots loss against Cincinnati on Christmas Eve and said, do we need to do a wellness check? And I said, you know, when the Patriots got to the five-yard line down by four with a minute 10, there's like a 5% of me that said, you know what, the Patriots are going to score a touchdown, take the lead, and win this game. But just a big 95% of me said, they're just not going to get in the end zone. They're going to get stuffed on two runs. They're probably going to have a holding call, and they're going to try to score on fourth and goal from the 16-yard line, and it'll just get broken up. It won't be a spectacular ending. It'll just get broken up. So the Stevenson fumble, while surprising, and that's how it happened, the outcome is not surprising. This year has been, I mean, for a team that's seven and eight, it feels like it's been in shambles more times than not. Bringing in Bill O'Brien, I mean, it's what Mac Jones certainly needs. I think it's what the offense needs. I think having that level of stability on the offense to have an experienced play caller, guy who's had success in college, the NFL has been a head coach, has been a general manager, and we can move on from this. Yeah, the Bill O'Brien thing is a year ago, you had said Bill O'Brien's going to come back and replace Josh McDaniels. My excitement level on a scale of one to 10 would have been probably like a four and a half or a five. Right now, I'd be like a 19. 
Give me someone, anyone who has NFL experience calling plays. And for someone who has some familiarity with the Patriots, okay. And this also kind of lends credence a little bit, even though this year has been somewhat of a disaster. You at least go, okay, there was some sort of plan in place, and this is why this happened. Yeah, I don't know if in time will only tell if it was a good plan or not, whether or not he does come back, whether it works, or whether or not you screw up Mac to the point where he isn't as salvageable. You know, you really gambled a lot on Mac being able to handle for, you know, for all intents and purposes, no offensive coordinator for a year. Sure. And it has well, not and, gone and, well. And that, and that might be the biggest sacrifice made is that you're right. You're in this holding pattern for a year and what suffers? Well, the offense in the here and now suffers, but you're right. In the maturation of, of Mac Jones, you know, has there been irreparable damage done? I think we tend to think in those terms of, man, you know, that's it. You know, Mac Jones is, is ruined and who knows? Maybe, maybe he is. But, you know, you look at Geno Smiths and you look at all these guys who, who can still kind of reclaim their career. And, and I'm not, I mean, it hasn't been a good season for Mac, but, you know, he's still young and maybe he's taken, maybe he's learned some lessons the hard way this year. Who hey, knows? But, uh, and he could always be Zach Wilson. And, you know, <laughs> That is the new bottom tier, isn't it? Because you talk about uh, quarterback news uh, recently. I mean, he's done. I mean, there's quotes out there that he's not going to play ever again for the New York Jets. So, which also hurts. Why would you say that? Why are you going to say like we? If you're going to try to trade this guy, I mean, they can't just cut him, right? You got to try to trade him. Try to but get something for him. There would be I, some. I mean, if you can, if you can trade Sam Darnold, who saw ghosts, you should be able to trade Zach Wilson. I I think but Darnold still. Now. I think Darnold had more value than Zach Wilson. Probably, probably because there's more redeemable there. I, I think with with Darnold, you still saw the size, you saw the arm strength, you saw the athleticism. You said, ah, you know, it's the Jets. And outside oh, of look. okay, he saw ghosts or whatever. He wasn't. There wasn't a bunch of people saying, God, this guy is a horrendous leader. He's Darnold wasn't going out in the press conference after scoring, you know, zero points and a half and mustering negative two yards and saying, Yeah, it's not on me. I don't feel bad about the defense. Well, and when Darnold was bad, the Jets were bad. With Zach Wilson, when he's not in there, the Jets are pretty good. I mean, they were a player team when Zach Wilson didn't play so there's a little more tape pointing that you know like Zach Wilson's the reason that I mean he showed how bad he could make a playoff team you know and now Mike White has played himself into you know the start I mean did, did you watch the game on Thursday with the Jaguars parts of it and they bring and they bring in the Streveler kid who I don't think he could throw the football 12 yards and he came in, he's throwing his body around, he's running like a drunken Josh Allen, Gardner Minshew hybrid, and suddenly the Jets are moving the football like they haven't all night. And it was just the 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 greatest comparison, mirror to mirror, of to what the Jets could look like. And with Zach Wilson, they couldn't move the ball five yards. And then a quarterback who can't throw the ball five yards, 
marched him 80. It's like, okay, like this guy's the problem. And if teams don't think he's redeemable, you're right. He'll be the next Josh Rosen. He'll be a practice squad, third string pickup. Maybe plays, maybe doesn't. Probably someone not. Will bring him, someone will bring him in and say that he's going to be in competition. I don't know who that is. But competition for the backup spot would be my guess. They'll bring him in saying he's in the competition, but really I can't think anyone's going to go, oh, yeah, this, this guy might walk out of camp with our starting job. If you do, your season's doomed. Arizona, maybe. Yeah, placeholder. That, that's actually... I don't know. I've been watching Hard Knocks. Colt McCoy is just <laughs> like when healthy. Like that's a backup quarterback right there. You feel okay with Colt McCoy? He gets the ball out quick, knows his stuff. Good guy. Good guy to have in a QB room. Yeah. Do you bring in a Zach Wilson? Wow. God, the Cardinals are are just an unmitigated disaster. It's so strange. Like you look it up. They had to fire a coach, uh, who was arrested for. You know, domestic battery. They fired him six months later, by the way. They they fired him in August. Uh, they have to fire Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach, on hard knocks, uh, which they kind of gloss over on there, too. They're just like, ah, we had to let go of a coach. Uh, and, and Cliff Kingsbury has to address the team and say, he's like, not acceptable. We don't accept it, but we're going to move on, which I, I looked it up, and the story was, you know, he, he – Touched a female while they were in Mexico yeah. before the game. You know, they fired him. Uh, so he's gone. The GM, Steve Kime, he's on a health-related leave of absence from the team. Kyler, you know, tears his ACL. He's out. I saw the report this week that Kingsbury was close to resigning because they'd gotten so bad between him and Kyler, which one could argue that's one of those – I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me, but nevertheless, still not good. You know, in, in watching this show, and, and to be fair, he gets hurt after like the where the the show starts. He gets hurt like the first episode or second episode, so he was out for like three weeks, uh, right there at the beginning. Another heading towards a bye, but through four episodes, I'm, I'm two behind. I have seen zero interaction between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, which if you're HBO and you're making this show, isn't that the storyline and the story you sort of want to tell is, oh, these guys, you know, we played for them in college and they're sort of this package deal and and now here they are in the pros and there's been absolutely none of that. So I, I can fully believe and and I read up on it after watching the show and there's a lot of talk of you know, the the relationship between the owner, uh, Bidwell, and, and Kime, and Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. Like, none of them are getting along. All of them are signed through 2028. <laughs> All of them got extensions within the last, like, 16 months, and none of them get along, and they're not winning. And two of them are hurt. I would guess Cliff Kingsbury, maybe offensive com- coordinator for the L.A. Rams next season. Kingsbury was the OC in New England next year. It's a thought. It is a thought. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We will be back next week. <clears throat> like I said, we are we are next getting, year. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be that guy who says, "Oh, I'll see you next year." <laughs> uh, 
But now we are gearing up. It's almost time for playoff football. And I'm very excited. We will have one week to go when we're back. Thanks to Sterling. Make sure to check out his columns are up on the New Sports Order Facebook page every week. Make sure to give it a like. If you have any questions, anything like that, you can reach out, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in to the New Sports Order, a production of Uncommon Media.